the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 119 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky, and uh, I am back from my three-week odyssey to Elizabeth, New York, and what I think was the first multi-week break we've ever taken in the history of this podcast. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, but with the all-star break coming up, feels like as good of a time as any to get back into the swing of things in the baseball world. Um, Bryce, I'll ask you as my friend and as someone who is taking the same odyssey to Elizaville, New York to go to Camp Scatico that I took, you're leaving Wednesday for a couple of weeks. Um, what were the BovadaSportsbook.com odds coming into my stay? that I would be extending my trip. Currently for you, I have it at minus 1,000 that you will be staying more than your designated time. I No, that, that's not correct. There, it's, it's not great podcast to get into the particulars of what's going on. Uh, you you staying up there, the, your, your, your beforehand odds were minus, definitely in the minus. Um. I mean, you also had a four-day work week afterwards. I would, if I were to extend the trip, it would be for a minimum a full five-day work week. Uh, so I had you at like a minus two, minus one ninety, I think. That seems like you know. I, I do know there is a lot of inherent risk betting one hundred ninety dollars to win a hundred, but damn, if that wasn't the lock of the century, I don't know what is. Me saying for extended beyond the extended stay. Well, there's a I also think uh, Alonzo over Salvador Perez, round one, home run derby. So we'll get right into it. Uh, it is the All-Star break. The All-Star game itself is being played in Colorado at Coors Field tomorrow. Um, but tonight we have the home run derby. Uh, we'll go into who is the field in a second. But, you know, the home run derby, inherently because of what it is, is one of the most popular baseball events every year. You know, we've said it, chicks dig the long ball, home runs put asses in seats. Do you think there has ever been as much anticipation for a home run derby as there is this year, given that it is being played in baseball's original launching pad, Coors Field, uh, with that crazy altitude? I mean, I think this one, being in Coors Field, no humidor, super awesome. We should be seeing dingers, not just homers. There should be dingers. It, uh, in my mind, a dingers over 450. I think that's the line of demarcation, 450. And um, I would say it's not just the course field. I think it's Otani. I think putting Otani on, there's no NBA finals tonight. There's no more hockey playoffs. Football is still months away. No other games. Otani will be the only thing in sports this evening. So right now, Otani is the Bavada betting favorite. Uh, he's he shouldn't the- be the favorite. But there's too much public money going up. The, the favorite should be Joey Gallo. 
yeah, Otani's leading baseball with 33 home runs. And the way they do this now, it's a bracket with seeds. Uh, so the 1-8 matchup is Otani, 33 homers this year, versus Juan Soto, the 8 seed at 11 homers. The 2-7 matchup, Joey Gallo with 24 homers. Here's a dark horse for you. Trevor Story only has 11 home runs, but how much of an advantage do you think he has hitting in his home stadium? Um, it's not nothing. I, would, I don't think it's enough to jump him to favorite status, but it's definitely not nothing. 3-6 matchup is Matt Olson of the A's, 23 homers, versus Trey Mancini, 16 homers. 4-5, Salvador Perez, 21 homers. Pete Alonso, 17 homers. Uh, before we get into some of the prop bets, again, Otani is the favorite to win the whole thing at plus 250. Um, and then from there, the order in terms of the betting favorites, Joey Gallo, Pete Alonso, Matt Olson, Juan Soto, Trevor Story, Salvador Perez, Trey Mancini in order. Obviously, if Mancino, Mancini wins, it would complete an unbelievable comeback from colon cancer. Um, Otani's a favorite, but who do you think is walking out with the home run derby crown tonight? Like I said, Joey Gallo. It'll be Gallo. No doubt in my mind is Joey Gallo. I'm going to go with Gallo, and uh, if not Gallo, I think there's a lot of value on Matt Olson. Uh, I read an article today in The Athletic where as a left-handed hitter, his line drive rate um, is super, super high, which again, Line drives in Oakland, which are doubles. Coors Field usually home runs. It's also on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping this doesn't fuck up his swing too much. Uh, but I'll go with you. I think Joey Gallo, I, I mean, again, not only is he a prestigious home run hitter, but he has been on an absolute tear the past couple of weeks to get that average up enough to make the all-star game itself. A uh, couple other props. The over-under for total home runs hit at minus 113 is 265 and a half. What do you think about that one? Um, can you go through that one more time? Give me the number over under at minus one thirteen. Bovada has it at two sixty five point five. I mean, this is what this exact situation is why the phrase "life's too short to bet the under" was invented. You don't want to be sitting at home watching the home run derby, rooting for guys not to hit homers. So right along those lines, uh, the over-under for longest home run of the night at minus 110, 519.5 feet. That is an absolute bomb. But despite that, fuck it, it's Coors Field. I'm taking the over. Yeah, no, over there too. It's batting practice. So plus 325, Otani is the favorite for the longest home run of the night. Um, I think of all these guys, I think Gallo is going to win. But the guy I think who hits the longest home run of the night, uh, I'm going to go with the defending champ, Pete Alonzo. I'm going to go with Gallo again. I'm all in on Gallo. Also, I feel, why do I feel like Vlad Jr. is in this? Because he was so, so dominant the last time. He's not doing it again. Not doing it again. Mm. That, I, I like that guy. I like him as well. And then the handness of the winner, righty plus 140, lefty minus 140. We both think it's going to be Gallo. So I guess we're hammering the lefty on this one. I mean, that's, Ga- that's Gallo or Otani. Correct. Yeah, that's, that, that's a safe bet. I don't know about how Otani style, if Otani style plays well here. I mean, I guess it's just hitting dingers, which he does. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but again, this for me is at least the most excited that I've been for a home run derby in quite some time, but maybe that's just because with so many stars pulling out, I just have no interest in watching the actual game itself. I mean, I know it's stupid or was very stupid 
the way they used to have um, the winner gets home field advantage for the World Series. I I I just I was um, yeah that was stupid, but you know the game mattered. At least it added some intrigue. I agree. Like you, it like I mean, as twenty, I want to say twenty twelve, Melky Cabrera, Giants won the MVP for the NL. Giants go on to win the World Series. Cabrera PD suspension misses it, but you know that that happened. Did indeed happen. We'll see if anybody catapults themselves uh, into further superstar superstardom tomorrow night at the All Star Game. Before we get to the rosters themselves, I want to go through the league leaders and the standings at the midway point. Next week is when we'll get into some more second half predictions um, and more so along those lines. But for now, just looking at the standings. AL East, best record in the American League. Uh, they're tied with Houston. The Red Sox are in first place, 55 and 36. Rays, one and a half back. Blue Jays, eight games back, tied with the Yankees. Uh, Baltimore, 28 and 61. They have the worst record in the American League. Uh, talking about the AL East, I think the Rays won't necessarily be buyers. They brought up Wander Franco and some of their other top prospects. I think the route that, that's the route they're going to take. Blue Jays, 45 and 42. Again, I still think are one year away. Uh, but let's talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox. If you're uh, the Red Sox right now, you're high in bloom. Chris Sale's coming back. I think that's going to be the addition to their rotation. Um, but one rumor that's been floated around is now that the Cubs have significantly regressed the past two weeks, Craig Kimbrell's going to be uh, on the block. How much do you think it makes for them? How much sense do you think it makes for Boston? to try and make a play for Craig Kimbrell. And then with him and Matt Barnes really have a lockdown eight, nine. I actually think they have a lot. I, I, I think Adovino is really good. Adovino, he's on my fantasy team. I keep track of Adovino. Adovino has been pitching well for Boston lately. I will repurpose that question then. How do you feel about the idea of having a knockdown trio, uh, which we know has been a very strong indicator of success in the past of Adovino, Barnes and Kimbrell? Scares the shit out of me as a Yankee fan. The last thing I want is Boston in the World Series. So as a Yankee fan, you know, 46 and 43, look, it was a weird week. You know, it's like you took two or th- two out of three against Houston going into the break, uh, two of which, two of the games involved uh, are players of the week. But you blow that 7-2 lead yesterday when you should have had the sweep in Houston. I mean, again, three games over 500. The Yankees have a run differential of plus one. Who knows at this point if Severino is even coming back. That was going to be the big midseason acquisition. They don't trust Chapman in the back of the bullpen because he didn't pitch at all in that 7-2 game yesterday. Uh, you know, what? what's the end goal here for the Yankees? I mean, you texted me as soon as that game was over, Boone should be fired. And I get it. You don't want to make a midseason change. But it just seems like any time the Yankees have a chance to go for a sweep, there's a blown lead of epic proportions. And that's just kind of been, in my mind, the story of what the season's been as a Yankee fan. I mean, look, I'm going to give, instead of talking about Boone sucking, I'm going to give credit to a manager that's should be manager of the year. And I, I know people think baseball's analytics and it's just all numbers and the manager's just a figurehead. You cannot look at the Boston Red Sox of 2020 and 2021 who made no roster changes. The only change was Adovino. Adovino was the only change on that team, except for getting Cora back, and they're now the best team in the end. Cora, Cora, whatever Cora is doing is so much better than what Boone is doing. Because Boone, every decision, every decision Boone makes, it sucks. This team is lacking leadership. You don't blow five-run leads 
to your new rival. You don't do it in the bottom of the ninth unless if you're, you don't have heart. The team plays with no heart. I, I think that's ultimately it. And, I mean, look, you look up and down the lineup, Gary, you know, Gary's hitting 215 and we consider a success. Other than Judge, like, there's just no Gary's one. Gary's been hitting well lately. Lately, again. But at the, at the end of the day, he's still hitting 215 going into the All-Star break. It's just outside of Judge, it seems like there's been no consistently uh, consistency on the offensive side. The pitching side of things, he had Herman in the pen the past two weeks. He contributed to the loss last night. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole did have that epic shutout Saturday, but no one in the rotation has been consistent. It just seems like this team that we had such high hopes on coming into the year is just at the end of the day, very meh. Um, dude, you know, is it the end of the, this team? But I don't, it, it seems wrong blaming DJ LeMahieu here because of how well he outperformed his contract the past couple seasons. But realistically, this team, the 100 win expectations were dependent on DJ LeMahieu continuing to perform at an MVP level. DJ LeMahieu has not played like an MVP. DJ LeMahieu has played like DJ LeMahieu, a solid big leader. And with him, then that's the head of the team. And it's just not, things aren't going in motion. You know, they cut the head of the snake. And it's interesting. You, you look at teams' expected win and loss records. Toronto, for instance, right above us, their expected win and loss based on their run differential is 50 and 37. So they've actually been a bit unlucky. Uh, the Yankees is the Yankees expected win loss record is 45 and 44. So uh, it sounds like based on the underlying data, they actually are lucky to be a 46 win team. We got a lot of talk to talk about, so I don't want to dwell on the Yankees too much, but you know, again, it's you, you go into Houston with the, uh, it's, it's just, it's amazing how taking two out of three in Houston, which is huge given their tie with the Red Sox for the best uh, record in the AL ultimately just didn't feel like an accomplishment because of how it ended AL central white Sox 54 and 35. They are eight up on the Indians, Tigers, twins, Royals rounding out the division there. Uh, this has been the white Sox division from start to finish. Um, but how interesting to you was it that Eloy Jimenez is already ramping up his rehab assignment. He's played in a, Rehab game at high A, if Eloy's back in a few weeks, all of a sudden that adds a new dimension to that team offensively, uh, which given the injuries they've had this year, they really could desperately use at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they're not really in a – I mean, they could use it, but I don't think anyone's going to come close to them in that division. I mean, they could they could have this thing wrapped up mid-August. I mean, I'd have to check it. I mean, let me check these standings real quick. Pull them up. I mean, they're already eight games ahead of Cleveland. I don't really envision the scenario in which they don't run away with this division. So I wouldn't rush Eli back. But it's definitely would rather have him than not. Minnesota Twins, 39 to 50. They're going to be sellers. We talked about this before our hiatus, but other than Nelson Cruz, uh, do you expect them to go all in on this rebuild and move Buxton and Barrios, or do you think it'll just be the veteran type players, you know, like a Nelson Cruz, like a Taylor Rogers in the back of the bullpen? I mean, I, if I was them, I, I still like this Minnesota core. Obviously, the I mean, Buxton keeps getting hurt. How much different is this team if with a healthy Buxton? I would say vastly different. I mean, he was. He was putting up otherworldly numbers when healthy that first month of the year. I mean, a healthy Byron Buxton is the epitome of a five to a player. A healthy Byron Buxton might be the best player in baseball. 
there's a reason he was the number one prospect in baseball for quite some time. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see what the twins do. So, about, I, uh, so to answer your question, Cruz gone, Rogers gone. I mean, they would have to be overwhelmed. I mean, you know what would be an interesting one for the Minnesota? Hey, what do you think about this, Jason? What if they sent Buxton to the Mets for a package around Kamar Rocker? Kumar Rocker, who fell to 10 in the draft, just signed his $6 million signing bonus. I don't know if the Mets make that trade, honestly. Just I also to- think that $6 million signing bonus is precisely why he fell to 10. Yeah, I just don't think the Mets make – I don't think the Mets – Ultimately, we'll trade for an outfielder. Nemo's already back. Conforto's right around the corner. Um, and you'll have J.D. Davis back in the lineup soon. And Dom Smith needs somewhere to play. So I think ultimately the Mets will stand pat offensively. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with Buxton. Uh, in the AL West, you know, when you were talking about the intangibles that a manager brings in analytics, to be 100% honest with you, I thought you were talking about Dusty Baker. Well, obviously Dusty's great but Dusty was the manager last year and this team was performing well with Hinch. I'm just saying Renicky. I mean, Renicky was a, Renicky was not a bad manager by any stretch. Renicky had a decade long career in dugouts that they didn't just fill in a random sub for Cora. They, they hired an established guy, but Cora, I don't know if it's his, I don't know if they, this aggregators, I'm not speculating they're cheating again, but whatever Cora's doing, I mean, this team is, this team that doesn't even have a fantastic run differential and they're still winning all these games. Yeah. I mean, they are Cora, again, Cora, the Red Sox made no roster. Who was it? What was their big offseason move? I mean, it was that they got Ottavino and Garrett Whitlock for the bullpen and that Devers and JD were able to clear their heads. Right. And if, if it's a clearing heads thing, I attribute, you can't attribute, that, look, I'm just all in on Cora. I've always been in on Cora. And honestly, I this I have a ridiculous thing to say for the Yankees fans. They should hire Beltron. Beltron should be the manager of the Yankees, not them. You don't worry that we might cheat? Look. Would you, what do you, okay. Look, I don't, ultimately, I don't give a shit. Our ace, Garrett Cole, and our closer, Aroldis Chapman, both clearly cheated of a different kind, so... I'm no longer taking the moral high ground when it comes to the Yankees. I don't take any moral high ground. I think, look, you think it's – who's happier, Yankees fans or Astros fans? Astros fans. Done. Cheat. Look, the Yankees go through it. 17 Yankees lost to Astros cheating. 18 lost to Red Sox cheating. 19 lost to Astros cheating. Yeah. And you know what? A ring's a ring. Again, Cora got a job again. Astros and Red Sox players didn't get punished. Beltran's a leader. Beltran's a leader. Boone doesn't seem like a leader. I agree. He's just uh, he's a mouthpiece. Astros in first in the West, fifty-five and thirty-six. Oakland three and a half back, fifty-two and forty. Got to give a shout out to the Mariners and the Angels. Mariners forty-eight and forty-three. Angels forty-five and forty-four. Both above five hundred heading into the break. Rangers in last, thirty-five and fifty-five. Mariners doing it with uh, just uh, ultimately not a great roster. Angels doing it with no starting pitching and the fact that Trout's been hurt. Uh, so credit to Joe Madden, Anaheim, and Scott Severs in Seattle. I said at the beginning, I think Houston's going to win this division. I think you agreed. Um, I guess my question for the uh, Astros at the deadline, 
you know, they do have so many arms, but none of them are aces. Greinke, Odorizzi, Framber Valdez, none of them are a bona fide game one ace. Do you think they make a move for that type of an arm or they're just content with depth over dominance? I mean, I think they're a team that will ask about Scherzer. Um, is there any world in which uh, Verlander comes back? I doubt it. I haven't heard anything about it, but um, no, nah, good for them. I mean, they're solid across the board, and that team's mashing. I mean, obviously Altuve, Correa has been great, COVID notwithstanding. Yeah, Altuve setting himself up to uh, get a real nice payday. So what was Correa? Sorry, I meant Correa, not Altuve. I mean, especially given Seager's been hurt, Story's been bad, and Lindor re-signed that, you know, I, I think Correa is setting himself up to get the biggest contract of any shortstop this offseason. I think he's deserving of it. Seager doesn't. Seager's off. I don't know what happened. The Trevor Story, is Story, uh, I guess we're going to do deadline. Does, is Story a piece that gets moved? Do the A's go off? The, I think Story to the A's could be a, an under the radar thing to look out for. Because the A's, maybe this is another time when the A's are like, I don't know how many years Melvin has left in that dugout, but uh, maybe take a half-season rental on Story. Those two organizations have made deals before. Yep, I think that would, that would be if Story gets moved the favorite, in my opinion. National League and at least Mets in first, 47-40. and 40. Only team above 500, Phillies, Braves, Nats, Marlins, in order there. Um, Braves, we'll talk about in a little bit, but obviously all-world superstar Ronald Acuna tearing his ACL. I mean, that's an irreplaceable player there. The Phillies' bullpen still sucks. Uh, all of which is to say, I think the Mets, despite all their injuries, they're going to win this division, in my opinion. I mean, they should. Their pitching, their rotation is... I mean, I don't understand why Stroman's not on the All-Star team. Because Taiwan was better. There's room for both. Should have been. I mean, the Nats, the Nats are doing another tailspin, so maybe they're sellers. Um, yeah, that, that Acuna injury, that, that's, that's a shame for everyone. Absolutely devastating. Except for the fucking Marlins. Their social media guy who posted uh, – Basically, they posted like this was an inside the park home run for whoever hit it because Acuna was hurt. And Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, they fired the guy. There was a posting for a new social media guy on the Marlins page the next day. I mean, that was. I mean, Chase, all we ever talk about is optics, and that was an egregiously bad case of it. I agree. I mean, it's like, do we. I don't know how many times I have to say optics, optics, optics. Uh, Who thought that was so. That was. Insensitive. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. NL Central. Uh, Brewers 53 and 39 are in first. Reds uh, four games back, 40 and 42. Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates all below 500 in order there. Look, the Brewers are living proof that if you have three really good starting pitchers and a good bullpen, you're going to win a lot of games. And they have three starting pitchers going to the All Star game now Woodruff, Burns, Freddie Peralta. Haters there. Devin Williams getting his mojo back. They're a team that if they get into the postseason, I could see them making some noise, especially in the division series round. Well, yeah. I mean, what's I mean, if you're rolling out three all-stars, I like your chances. 
I mean, is that, I mean, I guess I like all, I mean, we'll talk about them. Come, just get to the NL West because I, th- I said I was going to wait. San Francisco Giants are legit. Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, what do you, what in your mind would the Bavada odds have been that the San Francisco Giants would not only have the best record in the NL West, but the best record in all of baseball heading into the all-star break? To me, at least plus a thousand. They were at best. I, the plus ten, I think plus ten thousand. They were at best the third best team in their division coming into the season. No, I, th- I think they were consensus four because I think people liked Arizona. Yeah, I think they're legit. They're fifty-seven and thirty-two in first place. Dodgers are two back. Padres and six back. Cardinals and D backs rounding out the division there. Look, I think this is a team with a lot of veterans who a are somewhat playing above their heads. I mean, Brandon Crawford's an all-star this year. Um, Kevin I mean, Gausman. Gausman's been unbelievable. Yeah, Gausman any other year or in any other league where Jacob DeGrom doesn't exist is the runaway favorite to be the Cy Young. But, you know, Anthony Desclafani, Alex Wood, it's just a lot of good veteran pieces that are fitting the part. And I think this is ultimately showing that Gabe Kapler is a much better manager and leader uh, that he was given a chance to be in Philadelphia. And I'm sure he learned from that experience in Philly, but he's really – he's led this team to some serious success. Yeah, um, couldn't, yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. All that said, it seems like we're going to have three playoff teams it's in the be, West. Yeah, I think the bigger point is we're getting three, three NL West playoff teams. I don't see a world in which, barring a catastrophic injury, honestly, all, I don't even know what would a catastrophic injury be for the Giants. How would you – I mean, Posey's already on the injury list. We'll get to that towards the end of the show, but that's not even catastrophic, I think, because they can bring Joey Bart up. Uh, how do you How do you think these teams are going to finish when all is said and done? I think it's going to end up Dodgers and then the Giants host the Padres in the uh, wild card game. I agree with that as well. Uh, moving to our – You know what? We got to bring it up. Um, Snell's been fucking terrible. No. Paddock Snell's been awful. terrible. Paddock has mach- also been fucking terrible. The machine on the Dodgers, the machine assaults. The machine has an outside shot of 30 home runs. Very outside, but there, he's a shot. Dude, he's he's really playing well. <laughs> right? I, I don't know what else to say. He's he's doing everything that team needs for him. And when he's up, he's that's a real at bat. Ultimately, that's the guy you have to worry about. You hate to boil it down to just wins and losses, but at the end of the day, this is the first time Albert's been playing on a team that's in real contention for a very long time. You know, I think the last time he even snipped the playoffs was a 2014 Angels team that got swept by the Orioles. Um, dude, I'm just – I'm happy that we're going to – regardless what happens, the machine is going out. I'm ass- I mean, I think is it safe to assume that this is it for the machine? I would say so. So it's it's good. I mean, he he should not have been in Anaheim as long as he was. It was it was it got really, it got really really. It ju- it was just sad, man. It was just sad. Was it not? Like this guy was the best player we saw growing up. By he was the best player we saw growing up, and then overnight he lost his. He got monster. He lost his powers. It was sad, but it's it's good to see him rejuvenated and contributing to a contender. Are his 13 homers with uh, both L.A. teams? I believe so. Okay. So speaking of homers, moving to the league leaders, 
offensively heading into the break. Bryce, you love your transitions. You're right back on your game. Never, never. It's like I never left. Run scored leader, uh, Ronald Acuna with 72. That's obviously bittersweet. Hits leader, Adam Frazier with 115. Doubles leader, Nick Castellanos with 29. Triples leader, David Peralta with six. Home run leader, Otani with 33. Ribby's leader, Vlad Jr. with 73. Walks leader, Joey Gallo with 72. Strikeouts leader, Javi Baez with 115. Stolen base leader, our boy Whit Merrick. Javi Baez has struck out a ton his entire career and does not seem to be getting any better at that. No. Whit Merrifield leading with 24 steals. Vlad Jr., the batting champ, 332. He's also leading it on base with 430. Otani leading in slugging, 698. OPS leader, Vlad Jr., 1.089. Of all of these league leaders, you know, who coming into the year would have been the biggest surprise on Bavada to be leading their league in whatever respective category coming into the break? Uh, For me, I'm going to go with Adam Frazier at 115 hits just because I think the average fan coming into the year would say, who the fuck was Adam Frazier? And he's starting at second base in the All-Star game for the National League tomorrow. I mean, it's clearly Frazier. But Major League Baseball, Manfred specifically, I mean, getting this season out of Vlad Jr. and Otani, two young, so easy to market stars. I mean, I'll even expand it out to Tatis. Like Tatis, I mean, just look at how good the young talent in baseball is right now. And that's all you should be building the All-Star. I mean, even a guy like Devers up in Boston who's – all that guy does is hit. I mean, between Otani, Acuna, Vlad Jr., Tatis, Devers. I mean, baseball should be. I mean, even DeGr- I know Degrom's not young, but he's just kind of he's just he's just a stud. Baseball has so many stars right now, and these guys have personality. Like these aren't you're not these aren't Mike Mike Trout. Tatis is not Mike Trout. No, you have awesome stars. You just do it. It's absolutely awesome to see. Um, on the pitching side of things, your wins leaders, Kyle Hendricks and Julio Urias with 11. ERA leader, no surprise, is DeGrom, 1.08. Your shutouts leader is Anthony Disclafani with two. Saves leader, Mark Melanson, 27. Innings pitch leader, 119.2 is Zach Wheeler. Strikeouts leader with 147, Garrett Cole. Whip leader is also going to be DeGrom, 0.54. Averaged against leader DeGrom, 0.126. Um, I'll ask you the same question I said before. What strikes out to you as the biggest surprise in terms of a league leader on the pitching side of things? Um, well, Hendricks, I don't know how he's winning these games. He's not particularly good. You know, as bad as he was early on, he's got a 377 ERA now. So he's, I would say. That's a high ERA to lead the league in wins. I, I think Urias being up there is, that's, I mean, that's a disaster. I'll say the biggest surprise is, uh, you know, given he didn't wasn't even the closer in Atlanta last year, I'll say Mark Melanson with 27 saves. I mean, Mark Melanson is not a spring chicken. He's 36 years old, but he's been remarkably effective this year for the Padres anchoring the bullpen. I mean, yes, but that's an opportunity thing. You know, it's like you have to be you're you have to be on a good team to do that. As we know, though, with the role as Chapman, I mean, I mean like. Kim, like I don't know. I'm trying to think of other spots for Kimbrel to end up. And I guess I was just thinking about, does he just return? Where has he been? Boston, San Diego, Atlanta. I guess Atlanta, there's less use for him. Or San Diego, there's less use for him. 
Same with Atlanta, honestly, because they're very far from just a closer away at this point. I mean, without Acuna, I think they're in a punt on the season mode. Maybe they fire. Uh, maybe they. Maybe they. Maybe they clean house down there. That, that that's just speculation. It's. I mean, I don't. I'm like Chase. I'm totally blanking on the name of the Braves manager. Snicker. Yeah, it was Snicker. Okay, I got him confused with Shill. You know, Snicker's been good. He got. I think uh, to put an NBA example to it, you know, Snickers, Snicker gives me a Brett Brown feel. He takes the young team, he gets them to the playoffs, but you know, he's not the guy to get you over the hump. You need, you need the big name vet to get him over. I feel you. Maybe they uh, bring back Bobby Cox. The White Sox are doing it. It's working. Before we get into our players of the week, um, just to kind of wrap up the first half in a bow, I think we can both agree biggest surprise for a team is uh, – I mean, I guess we could probably agree with both. Biggest surprise, Milwaukee Brewers and the Giants. Biggest letdown, Minnesota Twins. I mean, the Twins – yeah, Twins are one. Yanks are one. Other letdowns, I got – the biggest overall disappointment – I mean, I know the expectations weren't high, but no team should be as bad as the Arizona Diamondbacks are they uh, they kind of just they, – they stink. They, they really, really stink, dude. I can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, you got to throw the Yanks in for disappointment. Also, the Rockies are 9-34 and 34 on the road. The Rockies are 31-17 and 17 at home and 9-34 and 34 at the road. That doesn't check out. No, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> the Rockies have a better home record than the Padres, the Brewers. The Mets. Rockies have a better home record than the Red Sox. Wow. That's uh, the Coors Field advantage to the extreme. Um, better home record than the Astros. Right now, the Bavada favorites. We'll do our midseason award picks right now. The Bavada favorites for MVP are Otani and DeGrom. I have to agree with both of those award picks, but what are your thoughts? It's like as great as Vlad has been, Tatis might have a 50 homer, 30 steal year. I still got to go with Otani and Degrom right now. Um, Otani heavy favorite in the AL at the moment. It's Degrom in the NL, especially if that Mets team makes the playoffs. But um, what are the what's the current value on Tatis? I don't have it offhand, but I know it's in the pluses. I would I, I would get on that. I think he's I think he's the best value pick for sure. It's just the, the he's thing the value pick because Degrom gets hurt. Degrom misses starts, and at a certain point, are you going to award a guy with an MVP who missed, who pitched under two hundred innings? Yeah, I think what it comes down to at the same time though is I read this today and I thought it was a great point. If you're not going to give Degrom the MVP if he finishes on this pace, then a pitcher should never win the MVP again. Period. Well, Otani was going to win it. A purely pitcher should never win it again. Period. I, I agree, but it's not like – I mean, the, the pitchers winning the MVP, there are a lot of factors that have to be in play. You need you, – you, the thing – like a pitcher can win an MVP. I think – I'm going to have to look up the Clayton Kershaw MVP vote. But really, who are the other candidates? That's the thing. I think Kershaw finished in front of Paul Goldschmidt. And that's the thing with DeGrom is in Tatis, you're going to have a bona fide superstar candidate. Like the Tatis, Tatis is going to have an MVP. Like there is, Tatis will perform with an MVP. I mean, Tatis will put together what constitutes an MVP season. 
Uh, so if he's healthier, it comes down to – it's a games thing. It's, a, it's an innings pitch thing. Okay. I mean, Kershaw got up to 198 in innings pitch in 2014. It's a, it's a solid amount. So I think you want to get right around that two. Oh, he actually beat he beat John Carlos in in 2014. Kershaw also won 21 games that year, though. I mean, I'm looking at Kershaw's numbers right now. Yeah, that guy's that was the MVP because John Carlo was second and he had 37 homers, 105 RBIs. What was Kershaw? 21 and three, 177. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. That's yeah, that. That I get. Like, who are the other? McC- I think McCutcheon was big on that Pirates team that was finally playing. Also, for anyone who thinks I'm reciting those stats, looking at Baseball Reference, Bryce can vouch. I've been staring at him the entire time. This is just how my diluted brain works when it comes to baseball stats. I would say your brain is diluted in every category other than baseball stats. That might make more sense. Uh, Cy Young picks, then we'll move on to the All-Star Game rosters. Obviously, DeGrom in the NL. Uh, if the season ended today, who would be your pick for the American League Cy Young? Uh, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, it would have been Cole in a landslide. Instead, I'm going to give you an answer that I think is going to put a smile on your face. I'm going to give it to your boy. To my boy? Who's my boy? I, I think Lance Lynn's been the best pitcher in the AL. I did. Interestingly enough, I'm going with Lance Lynn's teammate and your boy, Carlos Rodon. <laughs> I mean, the White Sox. And neither of them are – they're not – so when we're taking two White Sox pitchers, neither of them being our, our mutual boy of Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito, yeah. I just think Rodone, I, I, as funny as it is, I mean, he's 7-3, 2-3-1 ERA, 130 strikeouts. I just think he's got the no-hitter. He's got the narrative part if he gets non-tendered. Um, he's been dealing, but, you know, I love me some Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's ERA is under two, so not a crazy – Lance Lynn's ERA is under two. That's why I picked him. All right, moving I mean, the they, honestly, they, and I mean that ESP. You know how flawed the ESPN Cy Young counter is. I guess, yeah, I would say, is this the year a reliever gets it done, or I think is is that ship set? No, I don't think. I don't think this is the year a reliever gets it done. But yes, I am. You know what do I know? Uh, moving to the All Star Game rosters for tomorrow. It's going to be Scherzer versus Otani. Uh, the AL lineup is Otani, Vlad Jr., Bogarts, Judge, Devers, Marcus Simeon, Salvador Perez, Teoscar Hernandez, and my boy Cedric C.J. Mullins uh, replacing Mike Trout. In the National League, Tatis, Max Montius, DHing, Arenado, Freddie Freeman, Castellanos, Jesse Winker, Real Muto, Brian Reynolds, and Adam Frazier. The Pirates rounding it out at the bottom. Reynolds replacing Acuna. Um, Scherzer versus Otani. Great pitching matchup. Otani, DHing, and pitching. Um, I guess my first question for you is how do you feel, you know, being, I, I, I get it. The all-star game's a joke, but you know, you just mentioned the word optics before. What do the optics look like when there's so many star players that just don't give a shit about the all-star game and don't even bother flying to, Col- uh, to Colorado for it? Well, someone may, I think it was, I'm, I'm, I'm miscrediting this, this thought. It was either Kendall, Jason Stark. It was one of the guys, maybe Hassan. Um, it's a fan vote. If you don't, if you're not going to play, withdraw before the season. It's simple. Don't wait. Don't take spots from people. Don't don't waste fans' time. All right. So I'm I'm looking at these rosters right now, and uh, you know we 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 talk about odds a lot. Um, the American League rotation 
has a lot of guys that coming into the year you would not have projected as all-stars. So I will ask you this, um, which of these starters do you think would have been the biggest Mavada long shot coming into the year to make the all-star team? And you know what? I will throw National League pitchers in there too. National League, honestly, though, there's not really a ton. Like the guys- I mean, Gausman's a shocker. Um, yeah, but like Gausman, he at least had the breakout in second half. Marquez, if Story didn't make it, someone from the Rockies had to make it. You know, Trevor Rogers, you figured it would be a Marlins rookie pitcher. But listen to these AL pitchers, and you tell me who was the biggest long shot. Avaldi, Kyle Gibson, Kikuchi, Carlos Rodon, or Chris Bassett? I mean, it's probably Bassett because I don't think I knew who he was before the season. I didn't know Bassett. I knew Bassett because he was on the fantasy team last year. Usually players I don't know. Making an all-star team, they shot that shot. I'm going to have to go with – I mean, Kyle Gibson, we we made fun of the Rangers for that signing. Kikuchi's never done anything at the major league level. But I still got to go with Carlos Rodon. The White Sox literally non-tendered him and released him this offseason. Yeah, but they got him back because they're boys. Bryce, but no, the Rodon was a shocker, too. Bryce, I just got breaking news sent to me from friend of the podcast, Sam Schmall. Uh, the Stagecoach Country Music Festival, which I attended many times in college. We might need to be a ticket, buck a ticket, because the Sunday headliner to close out the concert. Luke Combs. Luke Combs and Carrie Underwood is playing Saturday. When is that? We'll do some research on that after. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll be flying back to that festival. I've never done a festival. You'll You'll thrive. I'm not worried about you. I would. Sometimes so, I worry about. You. I worry about. Oh, it's late. I worry about you for different. When is the festival? April. Yeah, that's when it always is. April. It's after Coachella. Oh, I would. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Oh wow! All right, let's talk baseball because I will not pay attention. All right, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, this is a guy. Uh, you know him, Tatis, Mike Trout. These are inner circle superstars. Uh, and he tore his ACL Saturday night in Atlanta's 5-4 win over the Marlins. Um, it lifted the Braves to 500, but Acuna exited the game in the bottom of the fifth after attempting to corral a ba- ball off the bat of Jazz Chisholm Jr. Wended up with an inside-the-park homer on the play. He left chasing the ball down, left after chasing the ball down to right field, wasn't able to make the catch, came down awkwardly. He then stumbled, hit the outfield wall, and collapsed onto the warning track. And after extended period being tended to by training staff on the track, he was able to stand and walk part of the way off under the field uh, off the field under his own power, but with a noticeable limp. He was in significant pain, had to sit down again close to the foul line. Uh, and again, this is just the worst case possible scenario, not just for Cooney and baseball. You know, this year, 283, 24 homers, 17 steals, was in the position in the MVP race. Uh, according to ESPN stats and info, he's just a fifth player with 100 homers and 75 steals at age 23 or younger. And this is just a brutal injury because July, we're now talking about hmm, is Acuna even going to be ready for opening day 2022 at this point? Yeah, no, this is this is a very tough injury. I really like this guy. I mean, I think never, never mind the fact that it is crushing to my fantasy team. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that, but I didn't. I mean, if you're, if you're a Braves fan right now, they're a game below 500. You're, if you're a Braves fan right now, you, you're just saying it up. Atlanta, we're at Cursed Sports City. Do you hope Freddie just gets hot and maybe carries you? Because 
right now they're not going to be a wild card team, and, and it's tough. It's just between Soroka. Their, their path is take over the Mets, which is not inconceivable that the Mets collapse. But they also have to jump the Phillies, who I kind of like. Yeah, I mean, this is just a brutal one. I like the Phillies a, a lot better than the Braves without a coach. I agree with that. I mean, the fact that this injury came right before Cunha was going to start and presumably hit leadoff for the all-star team in the NL, just horrible. That's really the only way to describe this. Just horrible. Yeah, hopefully he comes back stronger. I know Cunha had a great year. Um, and full credit to him, He not that he has to do this, he's worked really, really hard at his English. 100%. I mean, after Snicker benched him last year, he's a guy who responded to that by, again, the benching got nothing to do with the English, but I'm just talking about in terms of being a face of the franchise type but guy. His, char- his character is, I mean, he's everything you want. Correct. Uh, so this, is a, this, is a, this is sad. So along the lines of character on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, and I do preface this, I included a lot of details of the notes. I don't know how in-depth. Yes, you and your transitions into. today. Oh, my God. I don't know how in-depth I'm going to get into this because plain and simple. Don't get very in-depth. This is one of the most fucked up things I've ever read in my life, let alone just for a professional athlete. Um, but Dodger star Trevor Bauer is being investigated by the Pasadena Police Department after women accused him of assault. Uh, the alleged victim was granted a temporary ex part restraining order, according to TMZ. Bauer's agents released a statement denying the allegations, claiming Bauer and the alleged victim had a pair of consensual sexual, enca- consensual sexual encounters and called the allegations contained in the restraining order baseless. TMZ reported that Bauer is cooperating with authorities and that the case is likely to be sent to the L.A. County District Attorney to determine whether charges are warranted. Uh, the restraining order was filed against Bauer on June 28th and included multiple graphic images from the woman who filed the request. Uh, in a 67-page document, the woman said that Bauer assaulted her on two different occasions. And together, the woman said those two incidents, including Bauer punching her in the face, vagina, and buttocks, sticking his fingers down her throat and strangling her to the point where she lost consciousness multiple times. The alleged assaults described by the woman, which are extremely graphic in nature, happened during what she said began as a consensual sexual encounter between the two. According to the woman's declaration attached to the request and obtained by the athletic, she suffered injuries as a result of the second encounter, including two black eyes, a bloody swollen lip, significant bruising and scratching the one side of her face. In the woman's declaration signed under penalty of perjury under California state laws, she said that her medical notes state that she had significant head and facial trauma and that there were no sign and that there were signs of basilar skull fractures. Um, she also said that, and I'll just leave it at this. In one of those incidents, in one of those incidents, while unconscious, Bauer penetrated her anally, which she did not consent to in advance. She said, "I agreed to have consensual sex. However, I did not agree or consent to what he did next." If you want to read more of this, go on Google. The Athletic has done unbelievable reporting about this. Um, and in terms of Bauer himself, on July second, Major League Baseball said MLB's investigation into the allegations made against Trevor Bauer is ongoing. While no determination in the case has been made, we have made a decision to place Mr. Bauer on the seven-day administrative leave effective immediately. MLB's continue to, MLB continues to collect information in our ongoing investigation concurrent with the Pasadena Police Department's active criminal investigation. We will comment further at the appropriate time. Uh, and that stay on the administrative list was extended on July 8th for another seven days. Uh, the thing I want to start with first is in terms of the optics, even taking Bauer out of the equation. The Dodgers under Dave Roberts, and since they've made this run, are kind of the poster boys for an unbelievable clubhouse culture. And when I heard that the Dodgers were not only going to not place Bauer on leave, but let him make his scheduled start uh, last Sunday, 
that to me was downright disgusting. That was, I mean, again, again, optics, but that's just so unbelievably tone deaf by the organization. What Howard did, again, not a lawyer, not a criminal investigator. If the allegations are true, he should be banned for a long time. Needs, if he's doing this, he needs help. This is the sort of activity that someone that needs professional help should look into. Um, hopefully she's okay. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, if you're, I mean, you, you can't behave this way. You can't, you gotta, you have to really think about releasing him before you have to get in front of these things. And we knew Bauer came with, you know, very obvious baggage that plays out on social media, but I don't think anyone expected this. Um, you know, look, whether this is consensual or not, this is just stuff you don't do to another human being, plain and simple. Uh, and I'll just ask you, you, you know, I, I, do you think – I'll just ask you straight out, you know, Nevada odds, does Trevor Bauer ever pitch for the Dodgers again? I think the answer is no. I, I, his teammates have all followed him on Instagram. I think especially if you're gearing up for a pennant run, you cannot have this looming over the clubhouse. No, you – and I – from an on-the-field standpoint, the Dodgers are equipped to handle this loss. Dodgers, I mean, he, he was a, he's a good addition. He's a good pitcher. But the Dodgers are deep as hell. Um, I, if I had to bet, I'd say they will be – ne- I mean, it's going to sound like I want Trevor Bauer to be made an example of, which in part is true, but I wish this example had come a long time ago. At a certain point – a team has to say, I don't care how good you are. We can't have this behavior around our team. This is you, you can't behave this way and be employed by us. If the Dodgers were to do it with a guy like Bauer, would send a message, which shouldn't need to be get sent out, but it seems like it, time and time again, we're in this now. It's also for what it's worth, it comes down to dollars and cents. And if you can rid yourself of a problem and clear 40 million off the payroll next year. Dodgers got to jump on it. But yeah, I mean, this was one story when I was at camp, I kind of followed on the periphery. And when I sat down to read the notes today, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a Trevor Bauer guy. I like that. He's kind of the voice of the voiceless in the baseball community. I appreciated him as a UCLA guy, but after reading this, uh, you'll be hard pressed to hear me ever support Trevor Bauer again. I mean, you can't, it's, this is disgusting. But moving from this awful negative to a uh, to positive, Wednesday, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, we not only had a combined no-no, but we had a seven-inning no-no. Um, it was the Rays-Indians game. Colin McHugh, Josh Fleming, uh, Jorge Castillo, or Diego Castillo, Matt Whistler, Pete Fairbanks, seven-inning no-hitter to sweep Wednesday's double-header uh, double against the Indians. It was a 4 nothing win. Originally, it was not going to be a no hitter um, in the earlier in the game. There was a play that was ruled an error off the bat of Oscar, uh, Oscar Mercado. Uh, Wander Franco crashed into Taylor walls. The play wasn't made. The official score was originally an infield single, but however, because of the collision, it was then made an error. Uh, so this was kind of a retroactive combined no hitter as the game progressed. The only official no hitter in race history still belongs to Matt Garza from July, 2010. Again, as we hammered home with the mad bum no-hitter, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the official statistician of Major League Baseball, you only get a no-hitter um, if this 
you can't get a no hitter, excuse me, uh, in the seven inning doubleheader unless that game goes to extras because it has to be nine innings. But by definition here, a game was completed and no hits were allowed. I, I called. Sh- I called my dad. My dad's a casual baseball fan. Yeah, he, what did he think? Well, well, I explained to him what happened. I said, "Yeah, dude, the Rays threw a combined no hitter." He's like, "Oh, that's neat." And I said, "Yeah, but it won't count as one because it was only seven innings." And my dad said, "That's fucking stupid." It's just <laughs> like it's just like by the definition, there was a complete game. There was a no hitter. Look, if you don't think combined no hitters could count. I'll listen to that. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you some time to talk about that one. But I mean, it's like the game is. It, it makes no sense because they're granting a complete game. Correct. They literally also would grant a pitcher a complete game. So that part is dumb. It seems like if they were to do, if they didn't, if they didn't get credit for a complete game, then I'd 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 I'd, 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 hear, I'd entertain a no hit. But it's this seems like such an obvious easy fix that. Everybody would prefer. So stand to the podcast. Me and you are going to congratulate those five race pitchers. I'm throwing a no hitter. And mad bum again. And mad bum again, because after that, your season went to shit, Diamondbacks. I saw a stat the other day. I don't remember the numbers, but it was it was something like the Orioles threw a no hitter, then proceeded to lose 11 straight road games. The Diamondbacks threw a no hit through the mad bum game, which we're calling a no hitter lost 20 straight road games. The Cubs do a combined no-hitter, lost nine in a row. So maybe it's a little bit cursed to be throwing these no-hitters, even in the shortened form. But all that is to say, if you're scheduled to throw a seven-inning game, you throw all seven innings, you do not give up a hit. To me, that is a clear no-hitter. I don't understand what else a no-hitter could be. By any... It's, it's almost one of those things that was so overthought that it defies common sense and logic. It's also just like, it's so, it's cool. I don't even think I, there've been what nine no hitters now. If we count these two, I believe so. Yeah. Cause you had that Cubs. Come I don't feel like they're cheapening at all. They're still cool. I if that was the, if the fear was cheapening the no hitter accomplishment, no hitters aren't really did celebrated we, like a perfect we game. Anyway. Did we even do a podcast after the Cubs threw a combined no-hitter? I think I watched that at camp. I don't think we did. Shout out to the Cubs who also threw a combined no-hitter. But that was an official one because it went nine innings. That was against the Dodgers, too, so it counts twice. So seven seven no-hitters officially, nine depending on how you view the double-header rule. But transitioning to the next generation of guys who teams are hoping to throw no-hitters, MLB draft is going on as we speak. And I'm not going to pretend that I know a ton about, uh, you know, MLB draft prospects, but I got to give a few shout outs. Pirates first pick in the draft selected Henry Davis at a Louisville catcher. Personally, I'm not a big fan of taking a catcher number one overall, just because I think you have a very finite peak there. Um, But such is life. But the two picks I want to talk about are the Vanderbilt pair of aces. Jack Leiter goes number two to the Rangers. Kumar Rocker goes number 10 to the Mets. Uh, if you're a Rangers fan, I mean, we were talking about lighter 16 inning, no hitter streak. His dad out all-star big league or won a couple of world series. Uh, is this in a weird way, the silver lining of just what has been a dreadful two years as the Rangers have opened up a new stadium? Yeah, he's right. I mean, I haven't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I watch every Vanderbilt baseball game, but lighter and rocker. I both watched pitch a handful of times. And I mean, rocker, don't be, don't be rock. 
don't be shocked if you see Rocker coming out of bullpen in high leverage playoff games for the Mets this year. It's unbelievable. I mean, when I got a text from one of my friends who's a Mets fan that said Rocker exclamation point, I literally did a double take and I was like, there's no way he fell to 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy who might have the best upside of any pitcher in this draft, absolute steal for the Mets at 10. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like the Red Sox, uh, Marco Lohmeyer, a shortstop out of East Lake High School, uh, he was at the top of many draft boards and the Red Sox got him at four. Oh, yeah. That was not good for Yankee fans. Glass half full. At least it wasn't Jack Leiter. Um, I mean, looking at the rest of the draft board, number 20 pick. Uh, also, got to give a shout out to Matt McLean, UCLA shortstop, who went at 17. Uh, he was a guy who bet on himself. He went 25th overall in the first round of the D-backs in 2018. Uh, at a high school, turned down a couple million dollars, moved up from 25 to 17, made a couple million more. Glad to see him get drafted. Uh, the Yankees took Trey Sweeney, a shortstop out of Eastern Illinois. Don't know a whole lot about him, but, you know, Jimmy G went to Eastern Illinois, so maybe he's a good And uh, Tony Romo. And Tony Romo. And I want to say Sean Payton. Uh, the last shout-out I want to give – uh, for the draft. Also, Eastern Illinois. I spend a decent amount of time in Eastern Illinois. Not for me. The last shout-out I want to give for the draft is um, with the 77th pick in the draft, Jacob Steinmetz got drafted uh, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And you might be wondering why am I bringing him up. Uh, he is a 17-year-old Orthodox Jew from Long Island. Uh, so it's always great Where to see Long Island. It's always – I'll find that out right now. It's always great to see a Jew get drafted – um, but it's interesting. He already came out and said, yes, I will play on Saturdays, uh, but I will have to walk to a stadium and have kosher food uh, in a cooler with me. Um, he's on a scholarship to Fordham, but you got to think he's going to go. Uh, he's, he's the graduate of Hebrew Academy of Five Towns and Rockaway. Sick. So shout out to the Jews there. Um, with the MLB draft, there's an interesting article by Andrew Simon that I just wanted to look at real quick. And it was ranking who should have gone first in every draft based on war. So in other words, the best player per draft. Um, and it's interesting just looking at the names and where they actually went. Um, I'll start at 2016. Cause I think that's enough time. Mickey Moniak went one. Uh, the best player in that draft was Bieber. Dinesby Swanson went one and 15. Bregman went second. He's the best player in that draft. Uh, I just like looking at the contrast there, uh, you know, 2014, Matt Chapman should have gone one. Brady Aiken was the pick. Cody Bellinger went in the fourth round in 13. Mark Appel never made the bigs. Um, here is That's my crazy that he never made the, made, made the league. Nope. Um, 2010, Bryce Harper was the pick. DeGrom has the higher war. 2009, Strasburg was the pick. Trout has higher war. Uh, 2008, it was Tim Beckham. Posey should have been the pick. What three players that I haven't named, they got drafted first overall in 2007, 2012, and 2011 were the first pick in the draft and have performed as the best player based on war in their draft class. I know that seven was price. That's one. 11 was Cole. And then the next guy we we talked about him earlier in the show. You like him. Correa. Carlos Correa. Nice. Two no, other Correa is good. Two other swing and misses that I just thought worth mentioning. 2006, the Royals took Luke Hockshaver one. Kershaw went seventh. And in 2004, probably – oh, 2002 and 2004, big whiffs. Uh, Maurer also in 2001, first pick and was the best. Maurer's good. Maurer's going to say catcher that proved the first overall pick thing is – 2002, Brian Bullington went first to the Pirates. He had a negative .2 war. Granke went sixth. 
Uh, but in 2004, Matt Bush went one. And, you know, to Matt Bush's credit, he did make it back to the bigs. But they could have taken who was sitting there at two, Justin Verlander. I mean, that's a bad miss because Verlander. But even so, I mean, Bush came back as a pitcher, but he was supposed to just be that all-star shortstop that's just plugging for a decade plus. At least he made the bigs, though. At least he's not Mark Appel. I mean, I, I wake up every day happy I'm not Mark Appel. <laughs> Another guy who was a former first-round pick who just got an extension is Matt Barnes. They agreed to a That being said, Mark Appel probably has a way more interest. Uh, interesting might not be the word. Yeah, he's also got he's a couple of million dollars in his bank account that you and I certainly don't have. Speak for yourself. All mine's tied up in that 401k. That's true. I know you're a big 401k guy. Uh, Matt Barnes. The only thing I can talk about. Matt Barnes, the Red Sox closer, uh, two-year deal that covers a uh, club option that would cover the 2024 campaign, plays out the remainder of this year on a $4.5 million deal, $1.75 million signing bonus with two salaries of $7.25 and $7.5 million, 2022 and 2023, $8 million club option. Overall, $18.75 million guarantee that can max out at $26.5 million. Uh, Barnes this year, 2.68 ERA in 37 innings. 44.6% strikeout rate on his walking opponents at a 7.2% clip, which would be a personal best over a full season. Uh, Barnes is a guy covered his control, uh, or sorry, struggled with control in the past and has really since cleaned that up. And among relievers with at least 20 innings pitch, only Josh Hader and Craig Kimbrell have higher strikeout rates. And Liam Hendricks and Kimbrell are the only pitchers with better strikeout to walk differentials than Barnes, 37.4% uh, clip. Barnes, first time all-star this year. Another free agent off the market. And again, these are the moves that as much as I hate the Red Sox, if you could sign an all-star reliever for under 10 million a year or get one from the Yankees, like Adam Adovino, high and bloom, you win again. Yeah, he wins. I mean, I mean, how nice would it be to have Adovino in the back of the bullpen right now for the Yankees? In a weird way, though, I don't know how much it would have even helped just because it was so obvious by the end that Boone just didn't trust him. Well, how – I mean, Beltran probably trusts him. You love Carlos Beltran. I mean, I'm going to – I I call Houston America's team. It's true. It's true. Um, but, yeah, good good move to lock up Barnes for the Red Sox. Um, and, again, even if, even if the control issues come back, not on the hook for a ton of money there at under 10 million a year. Uh, and last week, the Blue Jays and the Brewers, two teams whose names start with a B, they made a baseball trade. Uh, Rowdy Telez was shipped to the Brewers for Trevor Richards. Uh, Telez is 26 years old, another Jew in baseball. Um, this past year, not great. Uh, he's hitting, where do I have it here? 209, 272, 330, and 151 plate appearances for the Blue Jays. Um, but the past year, 283, 346, 548 home runs and five doubles in 2020. Uh, Trevor Richards, he was traded uh, to the Brewers in that raise trade with for Willie, uh, for Willie Adames. Uh, 369 ERA, 31.7% strikeout rate. Uh, again, this trade doesn't move the needle too much, but I want to ask you which first baseman for the Brewers wins in a fight? The 6'4, 255 pound Rowdy Telez or the 6 foot, 270 pound Daniel Vogelbach? And even if they don't fight, how do we get T-shirts with them as a tag team? I think this is a way for me and you to make some easy money. I mean, how – I think it would be irresponsible to bet against a man named Rowdy in a fight. Have you seen what Daniel Vogelbach looks like? 
Yes. He looks like he actually looks pretty similar to a uh, Rowdy Teles. Fair. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like fun for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's one of those trades that doesn't do a uh, doesn't do a whole lot, but you know, those are two guys that can maybe help down the stretch. Chase, will Milwaukee this time next year? Will Milwaukee have two titles? No. Will Milwaukee? Will the state of Wisconsin have three titles? What's the third? Oh, the Packers. Um, you think? Do I think Jordan Loves leads the Packers to a Super Bowl? Yes. Wow, hot take. I like it. Um, another guy who, speaking of the World Series, this guy, despite his long baseball career, is still in search of his first World Series as a player or a manager. I believe he won one as a coach of the Yankees, but Don Mattingly will return as Marlins manager in 2022. Kim Ng picked up his I actually, I don't think he did. Never did. I'll double check that. Go. Picked up his 2022 option. Manningly, the past five years as Marlins manager, 345 and 446. Made the playoffs last year. Manningly was NL manager of the year. Uh, they lost in the wild card round to the Braves, or they won in the wild card round against the Brewers, or excuse me, against the Cubs. I can't read a thing right now. Uh, before falling to the Braves, the NLDS. Ultimately, I think, look, is Manningly the best manager? No, but this team is still a year or two away. He seems to have the respect of the young players that can help them grow. Why not run back with Jeter and Donnie Baseball for another year? Uh, so Mattingly was not did not on any World Series team. So unbelievable, Marlins. Let's get Donnie Baseball that first ring. It, it will. I will say this until it stops being true. It makes no sense to me why my. I, I guess the owner won't pay for it, but maybe dude, Miami. I don't know how you don't draw a million free agents down there. Just look. I mean, I don't even think this is a profiling take. The way that the city of Miami is structured, it is one of the more heavily Latino populations in the United States. And the stars of Major League Baseball, there are a lot of Latino stars. You put two and two together. I mean, it's close to the Dominican. It's close to Cuba. It's close to, Latin, it's close to Latin America. It is fucking Miami. There's no state taxes. Why they can't get any free agent they want is beyond me. Money, 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 money. Like, I mean, if the Marlins offered me a contract, I, ooh. I mean, just, just Miami, get Donnie baseball a ring. You know, people are fucking, people work their whole lives for it. He, nobody has a bad thing to say about Donnie baseball. He's Donnie baseball. Beloved captain of the Yankees. Joe Torrey's right-hand man. Now he's hanging out in Miami. Get this guy some talent, even though I do think, and honestly, how many World Series titles would the Marlins have if it weren't for Jose Fernandez dying? So they have gotten one. So Peter Gammons wrote an article in The Athletic where it's just, you know, and we've spoken about it a bunch. That was that was the big domino to fall. I mean, look, ultimately for Marlins fans, it might in a, in a really fucked up roundabout way, it might have saved the franchise long term because it's what led to Jeffrey Loria selling the team, I think, ultimately. Um, but, I mean, if that core stayed together, who knows, honestly. I don't know. I mean, look yeah, at what that. I mean, but all that said, Fernandez is gone as soon as he's a free agent. That's the other. Oh, Fernandez is going to Yankee. Unless if that Miami team's competitive, if my because it's fucking Miami. I know. Why does anybody Gloria, want to leave Miami? Gloria was never going to pay him. That's that's fair. 
So how many World Series would the Yankees have? We were rolling out Fernandez, Cole. Who knows? Sky's the limit. That's my point. Good luck, Don. Injury list, couple all-stars. You uh, Darvish, 10-day IL, retroactive to July 9th due to left hip in- inflammation. Excuse me. Um, he won't be pitching in the all-star game after he was named to the team for the fifth time in his MLB career. Yasmani Grandal. Great season from Darvish. Darvish is back. I, I think he just, after that World Series, his confidence was a little bit shattered, and now he's just content being nasty, and he's really good at that. Yes. Yasmani Grandal, he's on the injured list four to six weeks after getting surgery for a tendon tear in his left knee. Uh, and Grandal has officially broke baseball's uh, stat keeping. He's hitting 188, but he has a 388 on base percentage linked to a league best 24.4% walk rate, uh, which again shows if you walk a lot, you are still a hyper valuable player in baseball. His former Dodger teammate, Clayton Kershaw, 10 day injured list with inflammation in his left forearm. Uh, 339 ERA this year for Kershaw. Strikeout and walk rate was solid through 106 in the third innings. With no timetable for his return, this injury scares the shit out of me if I'm a Dodgers fan, especially with everything going on with Bauer. I mean, as somebody that traded for him in fantasy baseball, I, I don't feel Wait, great about Kershaw? When did you get Kershaw? Yeah, I don't want to talk. I, 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 it's not worth talking about. We, we went all in for Kershaw. I just, I'm going to read this out loud because I think you're going to get a laugh. You know how sometimes you get random uh, junk texts? Random who texts? Just like junk message texts. Was it Harris? Hey, well, it was a different John. Hey, is this John? This is Manda. We chatted on Tinder before when I came to see my aunt, but we didn't meet in person. I'm back in town right now if you wanted to actually meet up this time. Are you free? When I originally met that message, I thought it said uh, something about prison. Tell her you're in prison. I'm not John. I'm just going to exit the message. Miranda, if you hear this, I hope you find John. Uh, Buster Posey, 10-day injured this with a left thumb contusion. He was supposed to start in the All-Star game after hitting 328 with 12 home runs, but alas, he will not be doing that. Uh, and Sixto Sanchez, the Marlins right-hander, uh, he's getting season-ending shoulder, sur- season shoulder surgery after an MRI revealed a small tear uh, in the posterior capsule in his right shoulder. He'll be ready for spring training 2022. And I think the Sixto Sanchez means if you're the Marlins, that news, you are trading Marte, you're trading Aguilar and saying, let's kick this can down the road for the 2022 season. Uh, on, we're seeing a lot of injuries in baseball. We're seeing a lot of injuries in the NBA. You think this, what do you think that's about? Uh, I mean, with baseball, I think the reality, you know, the basketball thing I don't have an answer to. I think with baseball, it really is just as simple as they've already played 33 more games this year than they did in the entire year last year. Yeah. I wonder if it's just, I mean, kids nowadays, I mean, I get why it's done that you have to be ahead and you have to be throwing a hundred pitches from the time you're six years old. If you want to shot at the bigs, but are people, are people just, are there are people's bodies just given out? I know training's gotten better, but. I think it's like how we talk about like standing and judge, like baseball players aren't meant to be that big. Like we're at the point. No one is meant to be that big. We're at the point right now that the human body isn't meant to be throwing baseballs or any projectile this hard. No, not this hard, not this long. Answered penis joke. All right. So to wrap it up, I got two pieces of random Yankee news and I promise my miscellaneous will be better next week. Uh, I was mostly off Twitter 
Uh, you might not even be on the pod next week, uh, but I fortunately do I will be a, back in two weeks, though. I do have a replacement lined up already, um, so that's good. He's a Mets fan, though, so it'll be some interesting perspective to have when I shit on the Mets. Uh, which of these Yankee tidbits is funnier? The fact that Joe Pepitone is suing the Baseball Hall of Fame for $1 million uh, because he's claiming that the baseball bat that Mickey Mantle swung to hit his 500th home run belongs to him as it was his bat, even though he gave it to Mantle. Or is it more ridiculous that Aaron Judge uh, hit a home run in Seattle and when they showed the instant replay, John Sterling watching the video feed called the home run again because he thought it was live? The Pepitone thing is sad. The Sterling thing is sad, but it's more sad. Like, oh, look at my goofy old grandpa. He doesn't know what's going on anymore. That makes it so much sadder to me, in my opinion. I know. All right. Well, that is all I got for this week's show. Enjoy the home run derby tonight. That starts in about 40 minutes. Um, Joey Gallo, we're going to throw some money on you, so you better come through. I wonder me and Mac actually did a pool where we each got a random assortment of players. I wonder if I have Joey Gallo. I'll do my tidbit where you figure Chase that out. does, in fact, have Joey Gallo. Nice. I think in uh, – good to see you again, Chase. I missed you. I know. For, for the, just for context, with Bryce going to camp now, you know, when he gets back, it'll be six weeks between us seeing each other. That's, that's the longest we've gone in quite some time. That's assuming I go. That's assuming I'm back in six weeks. Yeah, that's assuming he comes back. But I do have a date tomorrow night. Interesting timing going the night before camp. So depending on how that goes, my uh, camp departure. I guess it's up. It's up. It's in her hands. Some would say perfect timing. Yeah, that's why it's perfect timing. I'm not. Yeah, I'm very. I'm very excited to see this girl. Um. <laughs> yeah, I I'm excited. Oh, look, my guess is the podcast coming up on the date tomorrow. Uh, I won't use her name, but I guess if it were to be played. I want the excitement to be carried in my voice, and I think that she will enjoy it. I'll wrap. The, I'll uh, get wrap, your flu shots. Get vaccinated. I'll wrap this out just by saying, um, to any Yankee fans out there coming out of the break, we got the Red Sox must-win series. If you're going to be at Yankee Stadium Friday, the Medorsky boys will be in attendance. Hit us up to hang out. We'd love to see you. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Enjoy the All-Star break.